Living the morale. We've gone on to the second mission of Avais. The mission says, Shimon Atzadik, Hayyam Mishere, Anshakan Sagdaila. Shimon Atzadik, this is the Kohen Gadol, was one of the Shere, the remainders, the last of the Anshakan Sagdaila. And the morale is going to first elaborate on why that introduction was given to Shimon Atzadik. In other words, Either he could be introduced to Shimon Atzadik, just his name, or at least call him a member of the Anshkan Sagadayla. Why Dafka the Shari, the remainder, the survivor of the Anshkan Sagadayla? As the morale begins, Yeshteshal, Lama Hutzrach, Lama Shari, Mishara, Anshkan Sagadayla. Why does he have to say he was one of the, those surviving Anshkan Sagadayla? But they are Mishara, Anshkan Sagadayla. And because more simply, he was a member of the Anshkan Sagadayla. And Maral uses this to prove the Yisraeli said before. And that is that the words of the Chachamim in Ovos weren't just general ideas that came to them that they wanted to share with the Yisrael. Rather, each each Mishnah, each Tana, what they said was specifically crafted for their generation based on what they felt that their generation needed. Based on what they felt was lacking in their generation. And that's what they had to come to advise, to correct, and therefore, if the Anshak Nesla and Shimon Tzadik, we're talking about the same generation, the same people, the same level, so why are they saying different things? And therefore, if you want to say something that Shimon Tzadik said, different to what Anshak Nesla said, then it must be he's talking to a different audience. And therefore, we're going to see inside, the morale explains and by telling us Shimon Tzadik outlived the other Anshkan Sagadayla. And therefore Shimon Tzadik was speaking to the generation following the Anshkan Sagadayla. When he said this mission, he wasn't speaking as one of Anshkan Sagadayla when Anshkan Sagadayla was still sitting, when they were still alive. Rather, this mission was said to Klai Yisrael in the capacity of Shimon Tzadik in the generation following the Anshkan Sagadayla. And therefore that door was a different door. And what that door needed was different to what the door beforehand needed. And therefore Shimon Atzadik had a different message to give them. It says the Maral, This proves the explanation we gave. The instructions and the rebuke given by the Chachamim was tailor-made for their generation. Like we said, the door is before Anshkan Sagadayla. We don't find Musa, because the Darius of the level of Anshkan wasn't the level of an individual Navi, even though we saw that there were Navi among their ranks, but their strength was in the fact that they together formed a society of, made up of such tremendous Chachom and Tzadikim, that's what gave them their Koyach, and therefore, that the door that they were on was also a higher door. And therefore the door of the Anshak Nesla together was definitely in a higher place than the door following the Anshak Nesla where all the Sukhom had no longer and the only one surviving was Shimon Atzadik. And that's why we came to Rishashi, Mishari Anshak Nesla is Miloshin Shiraim. Shiraim are those remaining. 
and therefore the time when Shimon Atalik was still alive, and the Anjanesagdara, the rest of them were not, because it's like a new era, a new era, a new dog. He was he was on his own, without all Anjanesagdara. But therefore it was like future generations, where there wasn't a group of Chachamim together, there was only one individual. The door of the Anjanes HaGadar was unique. Unique in the sense that it was a door of many Chachamim together. Whereas the door is afterwards, it goes back to a transmission of Torah from individual to individual. From Shimon and Tzarek to Antagon Shosechoi, after that to the various pairs of the Zogos, Yehissim and Yechon, Yehissim and Yehissim and so on. And really, this is the place where you have to ask a question. Because the Maral himself taught us previously that the level of the Zikhanim and the Nabim was such that one Nobi or one Zokhain would be the leader of the generation, he would be the link in the transmission of Torah, and he would transmit it to the next Nobi or the next Zokhain, who would likewise be on the level to be the sole transmitter of the Torah. And then the Maral explained to us that it got to the stage where no individual was exalted enough to be able to do that. And because of that, therefore, the transmission of Torah had to go to a Rabbim, and the Koyach as a Rabbim was what was needed in order for them to transmit the Torah to the next door. So that's a step down from the levels of individual Nevim. So then, how would we understand that the level, the generations following the Ashkenaz Lagadayra, the generation of Shimon Tzadik and the ones after him, go back to individuals. In other words, it's understood that Shimon Tzadik wasn't greater than the sum total of the, of the Ashkenaz Lagadayra. On the contrary, he was maybe one of the smaller members of Ashkenaz Lagadayra. And if that's the case, if the Ashkenaz Lagadayra were only able to transmit Torah as a rabbin, Altogether, so how could Shimon Tzadik be the next link who will transmit Torah as a Yachid? And the Maral makes it point here, and he says that's what made it a different door. He says, which is a meeting, a convocation of many Gedolim together. Shimon Tzadik was an individual on his own. He wasn't part of. He wasn't speaking as a member of the Anshinus which were a big tibur. And therefore, the main of the Anshinus Gedolah is twofold. Firstly, altogether, that's what gave them their koyach to Moshe Torah, and in that capacity, altogether. They gave us the advice that they gave us. And besides the Shimon Tzadik was the Yachid who succeeded at the helm of Ka Yisrael. And therefore the Musa he gives us to the door for the Nashim Kness Lagdada as the Yachid. And I think of Armish Shimon Tzadik and Mishael Kness Lagdada. So the morale highlights the difference. He doesn't ask the question. If the Anshinus needed to be a rabbin to do what they did, how could Shem Natsarek transmit the Torah as a Yachid after that? 
And really, the answer to this question, we have to understand that we look historically at the transmission of Torah from Sinai till today, we would break it into two very distinct periods of time, two distinct eras. And Chazal already makes this distinction. There's the era, which was the millennia really, the thousand years of Torah Shabbat Torah Shabbat means times when there was Nebuah. And that lasted from Matan Torah until the death of the last Nebuah. And then following that, there's a new era, an era of Torah Shabbat And that begins from Shimon Atzadik until we're still there today. The difference between these two is those generations where there was the word, so there was the ability for people to hear from Hashem directly. That's with Torah Which means, of course, there was a transmission of Torah from Rebbe to Talmud at each level. But part of that level was that the Talmud would be get to the level of being a Navi too. Or, as Maral said, one of the Skyrim, we would tell the Chachmu on a level greater than Navi. But then, Navi was ended by the Antrian Sagadayda. And now, subsequently, the levels of people with the links in the chain of Torah are no longer Navi. It's no longer an option. And therefore, there will be a transmission of Torah based on what each Talmud learned from his teacher, but that wouldn't necessarily bring a person to the level of being a Navi. So we already see one big difference. In the levels of Navim, the transmission of Torah was that the next link in the chain would also be a Novi. And they would also be on the level of perfection that was needed for a Novi, like we saw before. Whereas in the levels of transmission of Torah, post Navu, when Navu was no longer an option. So we have to redefine what enabled somebody to be a link in the chain of Torah. The levels of Nevoah end with Anshkei That's where the morale says that the stature of the individual went down. And therefore it was necessary that the Rabbim together would be the ones to transmit the Torah Anshkei But in the levels following that, when now it was no longer a generation where Nevoah was possible. And therefore there was a different concept of transmission of Torah. So then in that, in those, so to speak, in that concept, in those terms, it was possible for Yechidim again to be the ones to transmit the Torah. The ones that would transmit to us the Torah Shabbat. And that begins with Shimon Atzadik. And we have to explain exactly what changed. In other words, in the transmission of Torah, before and afterwards, either way around, what they got from Sinai, was what needed to be given to each subsequent dark. And transmission of Torah doesn't just mean the halachas, it also means the, the, the understanding of Torah, the depth of Torah, the Kabbalah of Torah, 
the Mosar and Midas which come out of Torah, that's all part of the transmission of Torah. And if that's the case, it's true that people might not be in the Vim anymore, but that doesn't lessen the expectation of the full range of what the Torah was meant to transmit to a person, which should have been passed down with Dara Dara as well. And if that's the case, but barring the fact that people could no longer be in the Vim, what else would explain the difference between the Dara before and the Dara afterwards? Why the Dara before, we said, was unable to continue to transmit Torah to Yechidim had to go to Ramah Shinsa Gedele and while the door afterwards we go back to Yechidim again Tell you we'll see better when we see what Shem Nesarek actually told us and on that the Maral says who are you Oymer? what he told us is Ashlash Advarim Ha'olam Oymet Ala Torah Varavoyda Ovinus Asarim a famous line the three things the world stands on and you have to understand what does it mean because we're not talking about what in the world runs on. What we call the Olam Kayam, there is a mission which talks about that at the end of the first paragraph. It says, But if we're talking about what the world stands on, we're talking about the foundations. And therefore, we're saying, what are the foundations that the world's built on? And as the Torah avoiding Gminus Chasadim, we're not going to ask why these things are the ones chosen as foundations. So he says, Who are you, this is the first advice we're given. Because if you're going to construct something, the first thing you have to talk about is the foundation. The foundation is going to be the, 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 so to speak, the starting point on which everything else is going to rest. And therefore, if we're now trying to build a new concept of Mesir Satara post Nebuah, The first thing to talk about is what's building the foundation for that concept. And that's why the Fekah Hashim Ratzalik Shemishar and Shemesa Gedoida, Mazerasim Shemitarim, but Varim Shemisoid, the Amadoida, Shalava Kalnibne. And therefore, Shem Ratzalik's advice to them is about those things on which the world is best, on which everything is built, because that becomes the foundation, like we said before, and that's you we need a foundation because we're talking about a new beginning. And even though the Debra Anshinus Agdola came before them, the Debra Anshinus Agdola, Shayyamri, and Musunim Vadin, Vamir Tamidim Harbe, Vasumi Sagutar, represent the previous Mishnah, but that doesn't interfere with this concept of Shimon Tarek being a new Yusad. Because who oid Kodem Alakon? That comes before the Yusad. Why? If you mash Amainu, Kyoisim Advarim, Tikkun, Vachasar, and Adam, Vamash Adam. Without Kalitis Pitvarim Edu, because the advice that Antoninus Agudeli gave us was how, as people, we meant to learn the Torah better. Whether it's fasting halakha, whether it's understanding, understanding the Torah, whether it's avoiding mistakes. In any of those contexts, the advice of Antoninus Agudeli was what's going to bring us to a better understanding of Torah. And we know that Torah precedes the world. And therefore, before we have Shimon Atzadik's advice, and that is what's the ba- what's the foundation on which the world stands, we have to first explain the concept of what's going to uh, improve our ability to learn Torah, because that precedes the that precedes the construction of the world in spiritual terms. And so, in Bas, we have to first work on our Torah learning before we come to understand what we're going to do to strengthen the foundations of the world here. That's what the Maral says.
Therefore, since the Torah precedes the world, what came first, Nashkenazagdara felt, was what's going to help us, encourage us to learn Torah better. And only after that, Shimon Tzadik can come along to give us advice about what's the foundation of the world, which is something subsequent to the Torah. We're going to explain, and Mariel talks about this a lot, this concept of three things which are the foundations of the world, which means Torah, Avayr, and Gvaras Chasad. But before that, he asks a question. Which we said the three things will stand on the Torah Why these are only things chosen as pillars for the world? The other options of things we could give, which also would seem to be deserving of being called the pillar of the world, in other worlds, which also based on them are reasons that Hashem created the world. So, for example, the one example is Alameda, on the midst of Brismila. Why? It says about the bris, if not for the bris, Hashem wouldn't have established heaven on earth. But if that's the case, if the world is, is created b'schus the bris, then we'll be able to say about the bris also, that it's a pillar on which the world stands. So why are we limiting, we're limiting it to three? And he says the same thing in common, the other things too. He doesn't elaborate, but I would say another example is Shabbos. If the world is created for Shabbos, Sof, Maisip, Machshavet, Chila, it was Hashem's intention in creating the world, then we should say the world rests on Shabbos as well. So why are we limiting the concepts on which the world rests just to these three things that Shemun Atarik brings in the mission? And therefore he says, V'hatsar shal pirish ha-Mishnah. Zois. And therefore you're going to offer an explanation for the Mishnah. Yesh Chod Apoy should explain, Can Ibrahim nibro b'shvil sh'yesh b'matoy. And something is created in the world because of its ability to be good or to do good, and that's what entitles it to existence. Something which isn't called Tov, it doesn't deserve to exist. If something does exist, it's only because of the Tov inside it, which means that it's that it can do. And therefore, just like you're talking about every individual item, every nivra, every created element in the world is there because of its ability to do good. If that's the case, we're talking about the world, the universe as a whole. And if not for the fact that there's a possibility of them being good, they wouldn't deserve to exist. What does this mean? What's this concept of Torah which he's talking about? And really we can go back a step and ask what does Torah mean? What makes something good? Yechayr good is subjective. So what's called good in the sense that that makes it something which deserves to exist? So I heard from Rabbi Moshe Shapir that the concept of Torah means something which is doing the tachas Hashem intended it to do. Everything Hashem creates in the world, He creates with a, a plan in mind of what that entity is meant to be used for in the Bria. And the fact that something is fulfilling its purpose, or what Hashem wanted it to do, is the toiv that it's, that, it's, that it's there for. 
that's what's good for it. It's fulfilling its task. It's doing the job Hashem wanted it to do. And therefore, something deserves to exist in, in terms of how is it doing what Hashem wanted it to do. That it deserves existence. And even if it's not doing what Hashem wanted it to do right now, but the fact that it still is able to do what Hashem wanted it to do in the future, means it deserves to exist as well. Because it could still be at a later stage that it will have a plan, it will play the part that Hashem wanted to play in the prayer. And therefore, because of its connection to Tov, it still deserves existence. And really, this is a big part of the Dinner of Rosh Hashanah. And that is, when we say, what does Hashem decide? On who deserves life in the coming year? What deserves to exist in the coming year? A big part of the Cheshpin is, is it playing a role that Hashem wants it to play in the Bria? Because if it has a job in the Bria which Hashem wants it to do, and it's doing that, or it's going to do that, so then there's a reason for it. It's playing a function in the Bria. That makes it tough. And if uh, it's not fulfilling its role in the Bria, or it's lost its ability to fulfill its role in the Bria, so then it's no longer tough. It no longer can do or is able to do what Hashem wants it to do. And if that's the case, there's no longer a reason for it to exist. And therefore the morale says that everything Hashem creates in the world, He sees this type. What does it mean that it's type? It doesn't just mean that it, it came out well. It was Hashem, the kilo, it, it was formed where Hashem wanted it to be formed. That's, we take for granted. If Hashem wants something to be a certain way, it's going to be that way. But we rather what we mean is something deeper. And what we mean when we say that everything in the world is created and it was taif, what we mean is it was able to do what Hashem wanted it to do. It was fashioned in such a way that it was now able to play the part it was meant to play in the brain. And because of that it's taif, and because of that it deserves to exist. And that applies to each individual item in the brain. We face a chosna b'chola brain, brain with my separations, very like kimki taif, and each individual thing. Every animal Hashem created, every plant, every tree, every species that there was in the world, each one Hashem sees it as doing, having a function, and being able to do the function. That's what makes it safe. Just to elaborate for a second on that, it's pointed out correctly. And that is, we see David HaMelech, when he tries to analyze Hashem's Bria, so he looks to each element that there is in the world. Every facet of the multiple facets of creation. And he looks to see what role is this playing in Hashem's world. In other words, in what way is it tough? And that's why the famous Chazal tell us that David says to Hashem, Hashem, I understand everything you create in the world, except for spiders, what role they're playing, and insanity, what role does that play? And Hashem tells David, you understand both of them, why, what, why, how you yourself are going to need them. Which means they're both concepts which are there to play a role. And that's the tough. The tough is what you see in the Bria, what's being used, to fulfill what Hashem wants it to do. That applies to each element in the Bria, that applies to the Bria's totality. And he says the same thing. The fact something deserves to exist because it's too much Hashem wants it to do, and something in the converse. If something isn't doing what Hashem wants it to do, it's not called Taif, then it doesn't deserve to exist. And this is the aside. We've said that many times. A Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't dish out existence for free. 
life is a koyach, and Hashem gives life for a, for a return, for a reason why it's being given life. And the reason anything is given life is for the role that it's going to play in the brain, or the way it's going to be taught. And which means that the fact that way in the future it will do the job it's meant to do is also a reason for Hashem to give it life right now. But where a person is no longer doing what Hashem wants them to do and there's no potential of them doing it in the future, so then there's no reason for them to exist. An example of that, Moshe Rabbeinu sees the Egyptian striking the Jew and Moshe decides that right now this Egyptian doesn't do anything in the, in the Bria which makes him deserve to exist. But there's a second Cheshman. Maybe there'll be some descendant of his that will. Maybe the reason that he's alive is because at some future stage there will be something coming out of him which will fulfill a part in the Bria. And so only after Moshe determines that there won't be that, and Moshe determines he doesn't deserve to live. And at that stage we said Moshe kills the Egyptian. Clearly there was no longer, there was no reason, necessity for him in the Bria that he was going to achieve. And therefore, the morale tells us, something which has no connection to Toiv doesn't really deserve to exist. Now, On all the days of the creation, it says, Hashem saw when He created that day and it was good, which means it was able to fulfill a function in the world, that's why it existed, except for the Monday. Why the Monday doesn't say Kitoiv? Because because Mechloikas, the vision was created on Monday, when Hashem split between the upper waters and the lower waters. Mechloikas is something which isn't, isn't good and therefore is ain't so for It's not going to survive because it's not something which is a, a kayak which is good, so to speak, which is doing Hashem once in the world. And now it's hard to understand because if you're talking about an argument between people, we understand that it's a negative thing. But if you're talking about the division Hashem makes between the upper and the lower waters, that's a good thing, and Hashem wants it to be there. If that's the case, why didn't say Kitab about that? So the Maral explains. The creation was it needed to have that division between the upper and the lower waters, and it was done in a way which was completely in Hashem Shemaim. One can't say there was anything bad about that or not proper. It was exactly what Hashem wanted it to be. And that's the way it came into being. So why could, why, why, what they call Tov? So he explains. Mikhail Makam. Kevin Shemitzar Atzmoy, Ain Kiyumloy. Rak Mitzar Hashem Yisparach. Kashem Achagis in Hashem Shemayim. Rafikach Ain Lomer Yatzlaki Tov. Rak Medovich Yeshaki Mitzar Atzmoy. And here's the big principle. There's some things which are Tov. And there's some things which aren't Tov. But they can be used in a positive way. That doesn't make them good. Even if they're being used the same Shemayim, it means one's using something which is bad the same Shemayim. But it doesn't make it a good thing. The concept still isn't good. For example, we, it sounds strange to us, what does that mean? If something's being used the same Shemayim, why wouldn't it be good? So to give an example of this, what the Gemara calls Naveri Lishma. Esther Amalka, she's in the position of being the Queen of Persia, she's married to Achashverosh. Esther utilizes that in order to save the Jews. Would we say that was good? No, we won't. We're going to say that Esther utilized the situation which was bad for the Shem Shemayim. What does that mean? To say it was good means that there was a Maila in Esther, a Jew, marrying a Hashem Shemayim. 
And if that's the case, if there's an advantage to it, then it's something which should be perpetuated. It's something which we see as good, and therefore something which should continue. And it's definitely not the case. We don't see that as being good. We don't want Yidin to marry non-Jews. Except Esther, in the circumstances she was in, was able to utilize that opportunity to save Klai Yisrael. But then it's the matter of the Rishem Shemaim, of the mitzvah which she did in that circumstance. Does that mean that therefore something which should happen again, something which on its own is good and therefore should exist? No, definitely not. Same thing it says by Yel. Even though she was a married woman, she seduced her sister as a way to overcome him. And the Gemara says about also that. This was Naveri Lishma. So was, was what she did good? Yes. Was it a good thing? No. We don't want to perpetuate something of, a, of that nature. It's what It's a person utilizing something which isn't good, but L'Shem Shemayim. That doesn't make it good. And therefore there's a big difference. There's something which is good, and is, has been used, and therefore it should continue in the future. As something which is considered good, we want it to continue. And then something which isn't good, something which is called Naver, something which is negative. It's not a mitzad atzmai on its own, something which is being used for quote Except there's a chiddush, and that is a person can utilize even something which on its own isn't good Hashem Shemayim. But then the value is in the person's using Hashem Shemayim, not in the thing itself. And an afkamina, if something is good, we want it to happen again. It deserves a cure. If something is bad, the fact that a person could find a positive application of using a bad thing doesn't make it a good thing. It means in this particular instance, a person used the Shem Shemayim. But there's not a reason to perpetuate it. And therefore, to give the example we gave before. When it comes to Machlokas, so it's true the division of the upper and lower waters was a necessary stage in the breath. Then Hashem is using a koyach, the Shem Shemaim, to be used in the creation of the world. But does that make the koyach a good koyach? Which means do we now see Machlokas as a good thing? There should be more divisions, more Machlokas? Because uh, since we see Machlokas as being something which is necessary, do we see therefore that it's a positive koyach? Another terrorist is not. Hashem never said key type about Machlokas. Machlokas intrinsically is a bad thing. Except, it's a bad thing which in this particular instance was used positively. And that's a big difference. And many times a person can utilize a bad matter in a circumstance which will be used the same shemai. But that doesn't mean it's a good thing. It means that in the circumstances a person used it productively, but do we want to therefore to perpetuate that matter? No, we don't. And that's enough community. Something which is really intrinsically tough is something which exists in the world and should continue to exist in the world. Something which isn't intrinsically tough is something which can be used if it exists already, but there's not a reason for it to exist in the future too. And that's the distinction the morale is drawing. Something tough is something which is a koyach, which is we can call it Shemayim, doing what Hashem wants. Something is which isn't tough is utilizing a koyach, which isn't necessarily what Hashem wants, but nevertheless, one can find cases where if it exists, it can be used to the Shem Shemayim. That's the Makhlaikas to Shem Shemayim. And therefore, that doesn't justify the concept of Makhlaikas. It just says in this particular instance, it was used to Shem Shemayim. So that's what uh, we spoke about today as a basis. And now we'll see that next time what the Maral wants to use this foundation to build with.